let's get kicked off. Thanks for joining me, Alex. For anyone who doesn't know who you are, tell me a little bit about uh, yourself, maybe your family's history in the bowling space and some of the companies that you're working with today. Thank you, Forrest, for um, letting me on the show. I'm Alexander Funk, as you can probably hear from my accent, um, from Germany. So I'm a German. My family is, so I'm the third generation of a family business. We're a manufacturer of bowling equipment, pin setters, lane, basically everything. So we're a full service manufacturer, install. We do also do service on our bowling lanes. Also my family over the years evolved to also a proprietor family. We own about eight bowling centers in Germany. So that's my, my background. So I'm with the company now for five years after I mm -hmm. finished my uh, master's studies in economics, I joined the family business and mm -hmm. so far uh, it's been pretty exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. And so your grandfather started the Yes, exactly. Okay. So um, a little bit on the background. So he started, so our roots rely in nine pin bowling. It's not so popular in the U S it's mm -hmm. more Europe, Eastern Europe, basically nine pin bowling was uh, there since forever. And then bowling, the 10 pin bowling, um, you guys all know evolved from the nine pin bowling after it got brought over by German settlers to the US. And mm -hmm. as a matter of fact, not many know about this real story of, so they started doing nine pin bowling and this has not a lot to do with, you know, the bowling that we know, there were no automated pin setters or nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think they just yeah. realigned the pins by hand and mm -hmm. um, they started doing that. Often it was involved with drinking and gambling. It got prohibited actually, nine pin bowling. So to get around that, they started just to put uh, one more pin. So 10 <laughs> pins and put them a little bit closer together, make the yeah. ball bigger. And yeah, 10-pin bowling was born because of that, oh, because funny. of the progression of 9-pin bowling. And yeah, that's where my family history or our company history comes from. Obviously, over the years, 10-pin bowling evolved from that. And my grandfather, he first worked for a company that made one of the first automated string pin centers right. in the world. And uh, he worked there as an electrician. And he had some ideas of how to make uh, certain things better or, and he got moved to sales because of his new ideas, uh, crazy ideas. He got moved to sales. And then, um, after a while he started realizing well, I can build the pin setter and I can sell it and I can probably make it better. Why I do not start my own business? So right. in the next village, basically he started his own businesses. So there's two villages in the South of Germany and both villages have an equipment manufacturer now. Okay. Um, so that's when he started. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I remember you telling me that when we met about the, uh, the string pen that now it's being becoming like the thing that people move towards because yeah. the maintenance, but you guys have been doing it for a long time and pushing that, especially in Europe. And now it's, we're, we're finally starting to catch up. Yeah. It's uh, very interesting to see like the history and to also see this change to string pin setters now is because we've been looking at that and we've been always been doing that while like towards the year 2000, we actually also, we also built a free fall pin setter because it seemed like that was where the whole industry is going. So we had, okay, we have to also make a free fall pin setter for bowling, for the sports bowlers. It was actually also USBC approved. So the USBC right. flew over here to, to approve our, our free fall. And that was only like 22 years ago. And mm. now the whole industry switched back and now we only focus on the string pin setter, which mm. we've been doing forever. We don't even make the free fall pin setter anymore, which oh, is wow. crazy because we yeah. invested so much work and money into developing this. Mm. So what happened? That's the, that's the big question. And uh, mm. it's, I think the industry shifted, the focus shifted 
the mindset of the proprietor also maybe has shifted and there's a number of factors that you go into this but um, i remember my father when he was 2004 2005 he went to bowl expo with uh, our string pincer everyone laughed at him yeah that's right. not real bowling <laughs> and what are you yeah. doing and this is a joke you know right um now you don't see any other pin setters at bowl mm -hmm. expo anymore exactly yeah i just talked to a guy who just put in string into half of his center and he's like if i could go back i would make it all in my center just so much yeah. better with the maintenance and it's easy to work with <clears throat> a lot of people are having shortages of mechanics it's really mm -hmm. hard to get a, a mechanic so that's just another factor so you don't have your pin chaser it's just but better all overall better yeah exactly you just get rid of a lot of headache and mm -hmm. i can understand if some centers are, are big sports centers with a lot of league business and they're scared to lose their bowlers mm -hmm. i totally understand that and that's mm -hmm. I, I would have the same thought but every center has to be true to themselves and ask themselves okay where are my profit centers and mm -hmm. also where are my cost centers and how would it affect me if I switch to string and like actually make up the numbers and then and I'm not saying this now as a sales pitch or anything but usually it's a no-brainer because mm -hmm. even if you for example do not have the cash to switch to string immediately there is a lot of leasing programs and the, the saving from switching to string from labor and parts almost offset what you would pay monthly for a lease or a financing right. so it makes it a no-brainer basically yeah. like on a belt you can basically switch for yeah if you look at if you look at that yeah i've seen uh, a lot of people like it, like you said it was just the, the stigma that it's different obviously bowling has a lot of tradition behind it and yeah. now that they see it so did you guys did they, they approved the string for the association or is that still in the works for, for uh, that's still in the work yeah there's basically they have a preliminary certifications for manufacturers which is really mm -hmm general uh, i think there has a lot there's still a lot to be done to go into mm -hmm. specifics but the process is there which is mm -hmm. good so they're looking into it they're actively doing it so it's going to come no matter what i see Six more nine. and more proprietors that uh do not like they would still go ahead and, and do mm -hmm. it without any specifications in place or any promises in place uh, but i think it will mm -hmm. definitely come yeah and a, a lot of the proprietors that i've been talking to lately some of the people who are have some bigger centers and do some more revenue. They're all mo moving towards that FEC center anyway. The leagues are like your you'll pay for your utilities, but most of the profit is on the FECs. And that's really what they're focused on anyway. A, a lot of people take out lanes so they can put in other things yeah. to complement. Yeah. And that's usually also the customer that talks to us because I see also with the shift in generation at a proprietor side, I also see a kind of an increase in professionalism or yeah maybe looking at things differently and a lot of uh, owners right now do not look at bowling as itself anymore they look at revenue per square footage for right. example yep and a bowling lane is very big you know mm -hmm. and they know maybe there's other amusement possibilities i can mm -hmm. put in there that maybe increase my number of again revenue per square foot and exactly when they go ahead and take lanes out put something in that maybe attracts a a new group of customer to their center that has mm -hmm. never been there, maybe they will also enjoy the bowling. Um, right. And the same customer also looks at free fall pin setter and string pin setter, not from a, yeah, from a financial point of view. And mm -hmm. so they talk, they start talking to us. The thinking of improvement will automatically trigger that you have to look at string pin setters mm -hmm. because the numbers are really good. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure uh, you guys are having some pretty good years right now. A lot of installs. It's going well, yeah. Good, good. And I know uh, historically you've been mostly in Europe 
and as of recently, you've put in a push in the U.S. Is that going pretty well so far, getting that adoption? Yeah, luckily we found a really good partner who was uh, our customer before, you know, mm -hmm. bought our equipment, Steven Kolarczyk. We're based off just outside of Detroit. That's where his home base is. And we started the company with him. And because we really need a, a central point, uh, we can't do it for, all from Germany because of right. the logistics, because of installation, because of mm -hmm. until now we build a pretty decent team in the U.S. with a lot of really good guys, bowling experts, installation experts. And so we have just over 10 people there now and two installation teams wow. working simultaneously. Yeah, it's really proud of what the guys have done there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it seems like you guys are ahead of the curve and now you're starting to reap the, the benefits. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. We anticipated that the switch to string will happen at some point. So basically we had the plan already on, on, on our desk to push for the U.S. market, which for us, yeah, it's the biggest market in the world. But for us, this is just very big. And it accelerated earlier than expected because I don't know, I, I don't think that we are a trigger or that we come to the U.S. and now we introduce the string pin setter to, to this foreign market. I think mm -hmm. we're just not big enough to, you know, trigger this whole change. But I think what really triggered is other manufacturers with mm -hmm. um, very big market, marketing team now start educating their customers and their proprietors on the benefits of string and this automatically mm -hmm. helps me so right. whenever i see an advertisement about how great the string pin setter is and this advertisement is from some other company mm -hmm. you know i'm automatically happy because right. you know, it, it helps me yeah. we're riding the wave yeah right <laughs> they're, yeah they're selling for you yeah 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 you're in the right spot when your big competitors start offering it as well we see that big push from those guys that seems to be their big. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about the machines side of, of your companies. Let's talk a little bit about the centers that you guys have picked up over the years and running some of those, because you guys have the unique insight of being operators as well. So tell me a little bit about how you guys acquired some of these and, and maybe mm -hmm. some of the things that you guys are doing today to, to run them that that's working. Yeah. Over the years as a manufacturer or as a family, you grow relationships to your customer because, mm -hmm. um, also part of, you know, our, our strategy is that we really, we are here for you and we value the relationships to our customers. And so opportunities of purchasing a center or to take over a center automatically arise because there is always, yeah, it's, it's just natural that, that you get these offerings for maybe centers that are in trouble, maybe centers do not have anyone else to take it over. Yeah. We as a family usually step in and what we do is we never run the center. So that's one okay. big rule in our families. We, we don't run it because for us as a family, we have limited members in our families, so right. it's just not scalable. Obviously it's all funk equipment in there and there are our centers, but we always have someone who runs the center. And I think key to success here is that we only provide the basic framework to those proprietors or to mm -hmm. those center managers and leave everything else up to them. Because all of our centers are in really different parts of Germany. So it's not like in one place or here in the South, it's more, mm -hmm. they're all over the place. Yeah. And sometimes in a really rural area, sometimes in like a metropolitan area or a bigger city. And um, every center is different and has to be looked at in their own context. And so that's why we leave a lot of freedom to our proprietors to run their business however they want to. So what kind of stuff do you say as far as framework? Is it like a licensing play? Are they all branded under uh, the, the Funk name or 
what what do you provide for them or, or how do you run them all together we provide them the equipment and the investment on the general things that are necessary in the bowling mm -hmm. center and they just have to pay a lease for the center okay um, and most other things are up to them obviously the funk equipment in there is set but that's part of the building that's already covered then for example by the lease so that's really all framework we do not interfere with marketing or mm. trying to micromanage all of our proprietors because yeah. it's then mm -hmm. in that case you're interfering with someone else's business someone else's mission it's just not so good yeah that's not your game yeah yeah that's yeah that's interesting because a lot of people will try to franchise or do a, you know private chain or a, a licensing play where they're giving out frameworks of here's how you can operate the that real estate I thought about that and I think it's a very attractive idea to try and make it. We already have eight centers in Germany and I mm -hmm. think creating one and, you know, one set of material and just reproducing it eight times makes a lot of sense. But then again, mm -hmm. what is our main business is the manufacturing side. Right. Exactly. And that's a pretty heavy lift. That's more than a full-time job. You need a right. whole team to do that because if you do it, you have to do it right. So mm -hmm. it pays off because, um, to return, you have to invest a lot into the, creating a franchise like this. And, and for us, that's we right now, we just don't have the time to do it. A lot of good opportunities, but you got to pick the best one, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So then the other thing, I know you guys aren't involved in the operations, but are there some things that you're seeing work for them? Maybe some kind of like promotions or, or leagues, or obviously they have the string pins, uh, string machines. What kind of stuff do you see working for them or that, that seems mm -hmm. to take off? Yeah. <clears throat> so what I see is for our centers, but also a lot for our customers, mm -hmm. um, especially those who switch to string already think a little bit different than the regular owner. They mm -hmm. think in opportunity costs, for example, they like some proprietors do not even think in those in numbers. They just, maybe they think with their heart, with their mind. And so what I see with those customers and also a lot of advice that we give is really invest also in the interior of your i think that's for me that's very important because to be fair the bowling lane itself will always look the same yeah you can choose on color and you can choose which color capping and gutter and bumper mm -hmm. you're going to use but overall every bowling lane looks the same it, there's not a lot of difference so what does make what makes some places really aesthetic it's not the bowling lane it's the lighting it's the interior it's the seating unit and all those things doesn't not, it's not provided by the manufacturer. Right. So all the design awards and bowling centers looking really fancy. It's not the bowling company that makes them fancy. It's an interior designer who thinks about uh, a general, the general concept of the center yeah. and how to make everything fit together. And I think nowadays that's the most, that's almost the most important factor. If you're already, you know, on string and you already optimized your business. I think that's a really good investment to do because <clears throat> it's going to pay off, especially for the future. Because I think if you make your play Instagrammable, you have right. free marketing from the young generation that comes in there that does not only enjoy the bowling, but also the social aspect for it mm -hmm. and the aesthetic of the center. And if right. they feel they're in a very aesthetic center, they automatically, and they also want to communicate this feeling or this extravagant lifestyle through their social media and they start taking picture they start tagging your center 
and basically generating free marketing for you, which is, I think the impact is huge and it's very much underestimated by most, by most center owners. And to achieve that, I think the most important thing is, I think with a great lighting solution and ambient lighting, indirect light, you can already achieve a lot for very little. And what goes along with that is obviously furniture and, and things like that. But I think lighting is the most uh, return on invest that you're going to get for improving your interior. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You can see in the background, I have some ambient lighting. It goes a long way. Yeah, it's sure. not expensive. But yeah, and I, I really agree because as someone who's 30 years old, when I'm looking at like a restaurant or a place we're going to go out for the, the eat like a Friday night, ambiance is just as important to me as the food. And the same with the, the bowling, the activity, the ambiance is really critical for the spot that I'm going to go. If I'm going to yeah. go out and spend money, I want to be in a sound, cool setting. Sound is mm -hmm. so important. If mm -hmm. Like, you know, those restaurants that are just seem really loud, but those places you just don't want to spend a lot of time in there because it's loud, it's distracting. And that's usually not something that you realize right away, but subconsciously you do not feel, yeah, very home in these places. And I think the same goes for bowling centers. Some bowling centers are really loud. You're really yeah. loud places. You can hear all the conversation going on, all the laughing, all the yelling, the music's too loud. The machine in the back is too loud. And I think to invest in someone who looks at the general sound physics in your center, a lot of the measures that you can do are really inexpensive. Sometimes they even look good when you have the sound dampening. The panels. There's so many products. The panels, you just mm -hmm. put them on the side of you. They, they even look good. They do, yeah. And they make such a big difference. I think you should definitely pay attention to hear the sound of the pins. Like when you score a strike for a bowler. This sound is so memorable. So mm -hmm. I think the, it, it's really important that you hear this, but I think to make it as, to, to have the best experience, it should just be very quiet and not the music, not so loud. Right. Yeah. I'd be able to hold a, a conversation pretty easily instead yes. of the taking turns shouting in someone's ear, like at a nightclub. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think that the times of, of, of disco bowling are over. <laughs> I think it's over now. Yeah. What about those are a couple of different things that are working for them. Anything else that you're seeing? So I mean like the sound and the lighting, is that something that you guys work with your centers? You just suggest that they do, or what kind of involvement or do you see if someone wanted to do this tomorrow? What would mm. they do? Just go hire someone or how do you see that? No, they can come up to us and we have, mm. because we work with so many centers and mm. ground up buildings, we're involved in every step. And usually we are, if you're making a, a new center you're going to talk to us first, you know, right. and then we have a certain level of expertise, but anything that goes beyond that, we usually bring a, a contractor in where we have a good network. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, very cool. So you have some people that you, you trust to do that. Specifically yeah, yeah. For, for centers. Yeah. Very well, cool. For light solution, mm -hmm. we basically have our own product, but I'm talking more for sound. Uh, I think there are specialists for that. Over the lanes, for example, in the lane area, that's something that we would definitely cover because it's, there is only a number of systems out there that I would use or I think are good. But to tie this with the rest of your center or FEC or uh, whatever type of business you are, I would suggest hiring an interior architect, not only does the lanes, but the whole rest of the center, that's usually something mm -hmm. that we don't do, but I think it should tie in with the general theme and experience of the whole place. Mm -hmm. And don't only invest only in your lanes and only in the lighting, 
above the lanes, but everywhere yeah. after the same theme. And, and that's like, that, then that in this case, I would bring, you know, someone in to do this because that's mm -hmm. not anymore what we do. Yeah. A little above that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then I wanted to ask you two questions about the centers and, and you can tie these in with the, the manufacturing side as well, but what would you say is like their biggest challenge right now? And it could be if there's two different challenges between each, but I'm curious, what's the, their biggest challenge or maybe your biggest challenge on the funk ball side? I think the biggest challenge of, let's say a proprietor is making a lot of centers are now in a phase. When was the big hype of bowling? Maybe in the eighties where most of the centers were built during that time. Yeah. And now it is time to find usually the next generation comes in now and with the next generation, I do not mean the son or daughter taking over the center, but also the next generation in terms of the next generation of customer, you know, the customer yeah. life cycle. Usually those centers are also to also now need to make investments in their building, in their business, in their employees. And, and generally there is no guide. How to do that there mm -hmm. is no guide of how to what's the best way to involve your son in the business or daughter in the business there's no guide of what investments do you need to make now mm -hmm. to make yourself profitable for the future so it's really a turning point for a yeah. lot of centers because they're already 30 years old and they need to do something or because they're in a situation that the next generation takes over or the next generation of customer now takes over because the league bowlers don't come so frequently anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there's basically those three dimensions that come together now and they require action because doing nothing is not a strategy. So mm -hmm. to find the balance, okay, first of all, you have to realize, okay, I have to, and then to know where you have to invest and how much and how to invest. Those questions are just answered really looking at your business. Maybe also to bring someone in to look at your business because maybe you're already blind to, to the changes that you have to make because you worked there for so long. If you realize already this, then, then you're on a good. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. As far as there isn't a guide, you have to figure that out for, for yourself, what your priorities are where you want to spend because investment is always limited, right? You only have so much that you can put in at any one time. So what are those pieces that you want to move forward to, to ride that um, yeah. transition? And, and it's so important. And the, the centers that we come, they come to us, then they already are already 10 steps into that process. Mm -hmm. Those centers have already had the realization that they have to change something. They already made the decisions. They already went through the process, but there is a lot of centers out there that they are not doing anything right now. And that's just not a strategy. Yeah. It's only going to, they're only going to be able to do that for so long before things yeah. pass them. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that not every investment is a million dollar investment. Not every investment means turning the whole center upside down and, and changing everything that has worked in the past. It is just, okay, where was I 10 years ago? Where am I now? And then maybe it requires limited change only. I do not mean that there's a lot of profitable centers out there. They're doing a lot of things. And sometimes a change can also be maybe a little thing. I think this is something that has to happen constantly, but I think right now there is a big turning point that may trigger this yeah from the outside yeah
So then if you had to give a proprietor one piece of advice other than buying a string machine, what would that be on how to take action on maybe some of these changes? I would say, listen to your customers and make your center Instagrammable because mm -hmm. that's just overall free marketing and it's going to improve everyone's experience. Even if, if someone doesn't have Instagram or TikTok or, or right. something. You know, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not tied into that. You know, that's mm -hmm. just a term that I like to use. Yeah, I like that. So then one more I wanted to ask is uh, recruiting, and you probably have this on both sides. How are you guys handling that? At least in the U.S., there's a, there's somewhat of a short a staffing shortage. Is that something that you guys experience as well? And, and how do you go about that? Yeah, definitely. I think recruiting is a, a big topic for everyone right now. If you're a tech company or if you're a bowling center or a bowling center manufacturer, luckily here in Germany, we are tied in with our community pretty well. Mm -hmm. So I think here we, I do not see so much of a problem for what's harder is as a proprietor. I think that the recruiting, it's basically, I think it's going to shift towards an ever-changing staff because you have students and you have people that see working in a bowling alley only as a part of their journey. Because right. mm -hmm. I think with the younger generation right now, they're always on their journey towards something. A lot of young people never do not settle down because mm -hmm. they think like, uh, they're not there yet. They're not there yet. So I think you have to realize that most of your employees only see this as one step, you know, mm -hmm. towards wherever they want to go. With an ever-changing staff or a rotating staff, if you have accepted that this is just going to be the way it's always going to be, then I think you have to simplify a, a lot of the things in the center. In terms of the center management system, in terms of processes, you really be on a solid digital foundation. I think that enables the rotation of your employees more frequently. So you don't have to train everyone all the time. I think that's very important. And for us in terms of a manufacturer in the US right now, we mainly recruit in the bowling industry, but I don't, I do not see, I mean, we're in a greater Detroit area, there is the market for employees is very good there. Hmm. So I don't yeah. have a problem with it. And then also within the bowling industry, there is a healthy market for employees. I have no problem with it, to be honest. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry with Detroit, there's somewhat of a vacuum that you're coming into on the manufacturing side as some of the companies have moved. That's sure. interesting. Yeah. And making your onboarding process really slick is, is probably one of the best ways you can get people in quickly yeah. and get them on the yeah. way. And yeah. rotate them too. And it's obviously it's important to have things in there at the same time to, to bind them for a long period of time. And I think still that's very important mm -hmm. at the same time, accepting the fact that, you know, the, the generation maybe has shifted or the mindset has shifted, especially after COVID now. And I think that's just a, a new reality, but yeah, if, if you're lucky, you'll find a group of loyal employees and I think it's always important to reward them. But my piece of advice would be simplify the processes in there and the, the time of onboarding uh, will be easier and also the errors and the, the headache you get will be less. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to, since we're a marketing agency, that's what we do. We're trying to get mm -hmm. uh, the, the message out for the centers and get people in there. I like to try to say, Hey, this is the same process for your recruiting and staffing. You need to yeah. get out and get a good job ad. It's like a good ad that you would put on anywhere else and advertising get customers in. You need a good advertisement to get employees in. And then your interview is your sale. You're selling them on getting this job. And whereas before. If they needed a job, they just took a job, but there's a plethora yep. of jobs now the, the <clears throat> dynamic is flipped and now you need to outsell other jobs. You're competing. 
So it's just it's exactly it's just on the other and end. What you're saying is uh, I support it at 100, but the meaning of this is it's just boom. It's so different now. But now you're in a whole different position. Now you have to have a different mindset, and it's exactly right what you say. And this mm. is not only true for the pro proprietor and the onboarding and the hiring process, but it's also true for bowling as a form of entertainment. It's not only serving, it's not bowling as a service, it's entertainment as a service. And it's competing Correct. with a lot of other forms of, a lot of, lots of other forms of entertainment. And this requires bowling to be very innovative because mm. all other forms of entertainment, if you go to Ayapa, you can see that they are highly innovative. Mm -hmm. And it's, we cannot be so proud and say, okay, bowling will be the most entertaining and most social uh, thing out there. And they will always play bowling because the FECs are only looking at the, okay, the revenue per square foot and the customer retention at the time. It improves the time of the customers spent at your facility and, and those things. But yeah, we kind of, we're competing against other industries, same as in proprietor competes with other jobs. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So to, to take it home, we've touched on this indirectly a few different times, but I'd like to finish out by saying, asking you where you see the industry going over the next couple of years, maybe three, five years. Mm -hmm. We've talked a little bit about some of the, the string machines and technology. Give me just a, a brief overview of where you see things going for the next couple of years yeah. for the industry. So I think bowling centers are headed from being a, a place of sports and competition to a, a place of social interaction and fun. Mm -hmm. And that's basically enabled over, over technology is the main driver of that, of innovation. I think that's one of the most important things, technology and digital innovation that will help to stay competitive in front of other forms of entertainment. So I think that's the only, I, I see that as the only way of, of bowling really staying relevant in FECs uh, is technology. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something we've seen happening for a little bit now. So you're saying the continuance yeah. of that, or even the further progression. Yeah, yeah, I know. I see a continuance and, but it needs to be in the right direction. And it's very, it's, it's not easy to steer bowling to, because I think bowling is going to stay bowling. I do not believe in, for example, virtual bowling or fully virtual bowling, like you're having mm -hmm. your Wii controller and swinging it. And that has been there for a while now. I do not see bowling in that going in that direction because no. I think nothing, no virtual simulation beats having a real bowling ball mm -hmm. and having real bowling pins and feeling the, the oil on the lanes and like hearing how the pins get knocked over and the physical aspect of bowling, I think mm -hmm. will always be there. And this will be the foundation of everything. But I mm -hmm. think technology will maybe enable some other things that you can do. Why is it a two ball, 10 frame game? Who says mm -hmm. it needs to be? Why do I not throw down a, a pokeball down the lane and catch a Pokemon mm -hmm. that's on the lane or something like this? I think we need to be more open towards this, those kind of innovations because other industries are very innovative as well. And right. uh, maybe bowling has to catch up. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And I think you, you raise a good point as well about the tactile feeling, especially as we get more and more deeper into technology in our daily lives. I think you see a, a big counterbalance of people doing woodworking or uh, camping or doing things that are more tactile and, you know, not technology to get a break from that. So I think you're right. I don't think the, uh, the physical bowling is going anywhere. It's just a matter of adapting it and bringing up yeah. some of these other technologies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of employees are 
at home, interacting digitally with others, you know, mm -hmm. just like me right now. And after a whole day of, of sitting alone at home and just in virtual meetings, mm -hmm. I think the, the benefit from going bowling, being out, doing something physical, while at the same time enjoying the social socialness and the presence of yeah. I think that's just like a, a human instinct and a human need. And that's right. always going to be there. It's yeah. never going to go away. That's very good. I think maybe COVID and the changes of the work from home policies and, and such thing, maybe they, they're beneficial for bowling, I think. And they yeah, give in the bowling run. now another chance, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so far, I think the numbers in every bowling centers are picking up after COVID. Yes. Yep. I think it's because of that. And people go out to go bowl. Mm -hmm. And now maybe bowling has to prove it's a sport worth of uh worth doing it's a social it's a it's something social that you can really enjoy doing with your friends right yeah what do you what do you do with that momentum kind of thing let's see you know exactly what yeah. they do with it yeah yeah cool we're coming up on time alex i really appreciate you taking the time if someone wants to get in touch with you or you know ask you about you know some of the stuff that you guys provide what's the best way for them to reach you or contact just add me on linkedin alexander funk or or reach out to one of our business pages. I'm reading everything. Info or alex at funkbowling.com is my email address. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm sure Any you'll questions? have some, yep. yeah, some uh, questions about some of the stuff you brought up, the sound, the lighting, the ambiance, really cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. Thank cool. you for, for yeah. uh, making this podcast. It's an amazing thing, a platform, uh, mm -hmm. basically for free for mm -hmm. proprietors to consume to learn about the bowling industry and to, we will all see each other in Vegas, hopefully this year at, at Bowl Expo. I'll also be there. We have a booth. So I think that's also a good chance to catch me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, you're right. It, it's a, most centers aren't close enough to where they're directly competing. So we can all work together and say, here's what's working and, and come together as a community. I'm a we big have believer to. in that. You know, mm -hmm. you know, we have to, because, because it's about, we're all competing in a sense, not to each other, but as I said before, and repeating myself mm -hmm. to other sports and forms of entertainment and social activity. Right. And so it makes only sense to communicate to each other what's working what's not working where's the industry headed yeah yeah no and i, I really appreciate you appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do your contribution to help out thanks for having yeah, me it's been a pleasure yeah thanks alex